0: Frantic Easter egg hunt of a film that does the bare minimum to please its loyal existing fan base. Ouch. Wendy eyed of Observer on our. Featured film this week It is the Super Mario Brothers movie Which has had a gigantic opening so far But again The guests are all coming to Cinephile This week as anticipated The great Ray Romano He's got a new film called Somewhere in Queens One of the funniest comedic minds out there And a relative of Chris We had into some family <laughs> business like, It was really entertaining talking to him. The Irishman Scorsese stories of course yeah. Really good stuff with Ray Where I
1: am on the family depth chart We get which, to it all
0: I, I, It was critical that you got that in there Because Ray didn't mince words He was very honest in his answer. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've been in love with her for 25 years. Monica Bellucci is here on the podcast, Talking Mafia Mama. The only shame of this, and you're going to enjoy the interview, is I'm not sure if we're going to get video. We were sent the audio, but I don't believe we have video. And Chris was at the time saying, well, they're going to send it to us. And I said, well, goes, I'm not sure if I should join. I'm like, now, now I regret you
1: did not join. We may never have video evidence that I spoke to Monica Bellucci. I know. I, I, I usually we get these interviews sent to us. I get the video. I can just watch it. I see the awkward beginnings and afterwards. I love the raw cut of of a video and interview. The awkward. So I didn't get to see like how was because cause the, the clip I saw was just the start. Like, did you guys have any preamble of hello, Monica? I'm uh, I'm Adnan. Did you turn on your, uh, you know. I, I'll, tell,
0: I'll tell the story after the interview I want people to listen to the interviews okay. and I'll give you more of the behind the scenes of that because it, it was breathtaking also Catherine Hardwick who's the director of Mafia Mama she is here as well so again loaded guest list and next week Giovanni Rabisti is in the limited series Waco The Aftermath talk to Michael Shannon about that and George Tillman my favorite guy because of course he's giving me my Hollywood break I'm in the film Big George Foreman and we talked to George about that movie coming up and again thanks to all those who listened last week this is really the month to come up for the stars Jeremy Piven was fantastic Jim Belushi previously, that was two weeks ago, excuse me last week in fact, uh, it was remarkable to have these kind of guests and the only thing I take issue with Chris is editorializing as I <laughs> as I walked into the MLB Network meeting Will Folger, who never misses an episode, he's the best he goes, oh, new episode just popped up, like nice I'm like, air review, I'm like absolutely, huge movie um, whoever our first guest was Michael Shannon, of course and it was like, plus Ben Schwartz, I'm Like Wait, he didn't put Tony Shalhoub, like, so I I can't they're going through the line. White Sox, Tiger's gonna, I gotta text Cody, and we go Ben Schwartz, like <laughs> I got, Tony Shaloub is a five-time Emmy Award winner, six-time SAG Award winner, Tony Award winner, Golden Globe Award
1: winner. And your response was? To- well, I think younger people just know Ben Schwartz more. I think Tony Shaloub is a guy that 90% of people know what he looks like. Yeah. But 30% of people know his name. I think Ben Schwartz at this time, especially with younger people, is just a name that grabs you more. Ben Schwartz, I know who that is. Maybe I'm just going through my prism. Yeah. But like, you know, for me, like Tony Shalou and Kevin Pollock are in the same category with Michael Shannon in terms of age bracket. So I was like, mm-hmm. we're hitting the Michael Shannon age bracket. Okay. And now let's go for like, you know, the early 20s Parks and Rec people yeah. Ben Schwartz. So I just thought. I don't know how many people are tuning in just for Kevin Pollack, whereas I feel like we could hook some people in with Ben Schwartz.
0: To that end, I did hit up Bimmel, and I was like, I don't know if you're aware of these things. I know you guys have a new studio, et cetera. I'm excited for the Levitard show, but I'm like, our guest list is incredible this month. Give props to Laura Brandt, the entire crew. And he wrote back to me. I'll get these specific texts. Matter of fact, he was like, oh, no, because I, I saw it's been a big list lately. He's like, uh, what have the numbers been like? How much are people listening to past episodes? I believe it was his text. And I wonder like, And I did write back. No idea. I'm not privy to the numbers. <laughs> this is a loaded <laughs> month for us. Like, like Bimble thinks I'm looking at the numbers. And be like, oh man, guess looking. Like, how would I know this? How would you even know this? Can you? Can crunch, you I,
1: I see the numbers, yeah, dude. I'm, I'm crunching them. You but we, would you up? be able like, to
0: answer this specific question? How often are your listeners going to past episodes? How would we track that? I'm I like, would I have, have no
1: to. I would have to start looking at what roughly stuff is at like now, and then look a week later to see what mm-hmm. our growth is on older episodes. I haven't been tracking that specifically i I could track it though
0: so i don't don't expect you to bimble wants to do that he can do that he also said i'm excited for the bellucci one haven't heard her name in a long time i go bimble we're speaking the same language so he 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 knows what's down with the cause um again thank you all those for supporting the podcast also you may have enjoyed adnan versus samson recently on the levitard show me and david going toe-to-toe chris will be producing those although i'm sure dan i don't know if he said it but me and samson you all said he's not going to like it dan may have to be involved moderating so to speak just to be the fire starter
1: yeah, you know Dan. He he complains he's doing too much, and yet he doesn't want to sit anything out. Uh, he He made a comment that he'd like to get in there and be like the referee between you guys and really pin you guys up against each other. But we'll see. <laughs> Right. I, have, I thought it was nice, man. I, I, I like you two just talking movies. To me, it doesn't have to be a hostile thing, but that's Dan's... He likes people pinned up against each other. Yeah, he just, he just loves stirring it
0: up. Also, on a more serious note, South Beach Sessions is always a terrific listen. And recently, people got to listen. I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I saw the clip that on G that uh, Juju had posted with Chris's dad, Greg Cody, and Dan, talking about their relationship with fathers and Greg talking about Chris's grandfather. It was fantastic, so I look forward to listening to that. You guys want to roll with those South Beach Sessions? I mean, Dominique
1: had a good one, too, previously. Shout out to Matt. Cougar. Uh, Matt Cougar, Matt Cougar, Cougar, his name's Cougler. We call him Coug. Like but uh But he's the new producer of that thing. And I've been, I've been telling him like, how are you going to keep this going? With Stephen yeah. A., Dominique, or like he has, they're trying to go for, they want, they want the table, the script flipped it on Dan a little bit. Dan yeah. likes to have these serious conversations. They're really making an effort to bring people in that are going to say, oh no, 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 wait Dan. Now, now let me ask you that question. Right. And really like get Dan into his feelings and stuff. And it's, if if you're into my dad and Dan's relationship at all. You've never heard them talk like they do on this Southbeat session.
0: Awesome. I hope everyone checks it out. I will be as well. All right, let's get into the episode. Super Mario Brothers, I'll do this quick. My son of Dean was like literally pumped for months. He's like, and it was spring break for the boys last week. So he's like, we gotta go to the first showing. I'm like, all right, 10 a.m. showing. I don't think I've ever been to a 10 a.m. movie. I actually, know, Toronto Film Festival—they have like 9 a.m. screenings. I have not been in a lot of years, and definitely not as a family. 10 a.m. Yeah, I got
1: eggs, little eggs, and popcorn. Where we got? Well, that's
0: here? the thing. I was—I thought about that. I go, "What are you going to have? Pancakes there? Of course, my wife and I are still fasting. Ramadan still going strong. So the kids are just just crushing those slushies. 10 a.m. Here we go, slushies, and slushies can't be great at 10 a.m. But boys enjoyed it. The popcorn was great because they gave us like that bucket, like a Super Mario bucket, like fifteen dollars. But I go, "Whatever. He's really excited about Mario Brothers. It has a question mark on it. Like all good. We'll dress up as Toad next time.
1: At what age do you start fasting?
0: Great question. So my eldest boy Yusuf is turning 15. He wanted to do a couple fast, and I said to him, "It's not mandatory until they're 18." But he kind of wanted to give it a shot, so we've let him do a couple. Now he's doing track as well. I got buddy long jump. He can't be yeah. know, messing with this <laughs> stuff. So I don't, I don't need you fainting out there. I'm like, what's, what's wrong? Give him some water. He's yeah. fasting. He can't take water. <laughs> Get on the water. So um, he's done a few so far. But 18 is the age. He's done. He's okay. done a couple, and he, and he hung in there. I was like, dude, that's a 14 hour fast. I was like, how'd you feel? I'm like, I was, I was starving. Although there's, some, there's some Muslim kids at his school, so he actually kind of felt a bit of a brotherhood. So he was kind of like, you know what? There's, I was bonding nice. with some other guys there at school. So right. I said, that's nice. At least you're not on your own island. Um, as for the movie itself, Really entertaining. Again, Chris is younger than me, but I'm sure we both played Super Mario oh, Brothers when we were kids. It. So the nostalgia trip was fantastic. As always, I like a good, quick movie. It was 90 minutes, and I felt like I wanted to go play Super Mario Brothers. I, I don't know if you're a gamer. I believe now you can go like get the
1: old Nintendo system and play the old Super Mario Brothers. Somebody told me that the other day. They go, I, I think hey, there's, I've heard that they're still releasing some sort of versions yes. of, of them to this day yearly. Like They're right. still in production. It's not oh, like yeah. it's only the really old stuff. Like. There are I don't know what they're called in this modern day. Like if it's just classic Super Mario Brothers, if it's some spinoff, I don't know. Well, right,
0: I didn't know it was yearly. I thought because I've heard before people are like, you know, you're a gamer. I go, no, I just love the stuff when I was a kid. RBI Baseball, Blades of Steel. They're like, you can still play that stuff. I'm like, what? They're like, oh yeah, they 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 released those versions. I didn't know there was like an updated Super Mario Brothers every year. That's oh amazing. yeah,
1: like I'm looking right here, 2021 Super Mario 3D World, uh, Mario Kart 2020, Super Mario Brothers 35 in 2020. So okay. like they're that's amazing. Yeah, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics 2019. So they're, like, they're still, like, cranking stuff out here. What a cash cow. Mario and Sonic together. Okay. Um, regardless,
0: I enjoyed the film. I wasn't really sure how they were going to set up the whole premise of it, but there are a couple of plumbers, if you know, playing the video game. And so they're, you know, out there in Brooklyn doing their thing. Sebastian Maniscalco is in everything these days. Uh, he's in Ray Romano's new film, in fact, somewhere in Queens. He has a small cameo as well, playing one of the rival plumbers. Anyways... Something happens, they end up in Super Mario World, and all of a sudden, there they are. they have got to figure out... I mean, one of the best sequences is when... Chris Pratt as Mario is, is being top of the princess and so you gotta eat mushrooms and like he's like oh I hate mushrooms I gotta eat them he eats, okay, gets all strong gets big he starts jumping up and down there's this whole montage although oh, he loses the power and of course if you play the video game you're aware the mushroom right. only has so much power of course the blue mushroom shrinks you which he realizes yes. at one pivotal moment he's having a big fight so it was just a great nostalgia to bring all that stuff back to life and of course the biggest reason I wanted to watch it and my kids knew I'm just a huge Bowser guy so Jack I couldn't Black. I, I couldn't wait for Bowser I go Bowser's gonna be awesome and he was fantastic Jack Black Stole the show, in my opinion. Great as Bowser.
1: Do you just hear Jack Black the whole time? I mean,
0: it's quite a bit of Jack Black in it. it, The Jack Blackness of Bowser. Does he start singing? You took the words out of my mouth. There's a singing rendition because he's (laughs) in love with the princess, Princess Peach. He does a song called Peaches, 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 which we've been singing around the house for the last week. So that was classic Jack Black, I'm sure, going off script. But... Bowser, fantastic. Super Mario Brothers. I'm giving it three Maple Leafs. And a really, by the way, wide disparity on Rotten Tomatoes. I love when this happens. If you go on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is like 96%. So people are walking up there going, that was incredible. I loved it. And the critics are like, Meh. like 53%. They're kind of like, come on. Get out of here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like It's okay to have just a nostalgia movie every once in a while.
0: 57%, which is subpar from the critics, 96% audience score. And I haven't checked their latest grosses, but it was like, you know, hundreds of millions opening. Like, it opened better than expected.
1: What about Chris Pratt's Italian accent? That was making news before. Yeah. Do they make fun of it at all? Is I mean, it, it wasn't
0: great. It was as my friend Michael Lombardi used to say, it's the pizza parlor Italian accent. Hey, what do you want to hear? Like It was, yeah. it was a lot like that. If I was Italian, I probably wouldn't but, be crazy about it. Mike,
1: but I heard Mike Ryan mention that there's some commercial in the movie that kind of mocks the accent or yeah, something. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, Mike's right about that. I'm surprised Mike yeah. said Did He'd take like his nephew yeah, or niece Mike's, or something. Mike's
1: done this thing lately. He, he claims it's, a, it's an economical like it's actually not that exp- it sounds like a look at me louie thing he rents yeah. out theaters for him and his friends that's definitely a look at me louie but he says it's like 200 bucks you get 20 friends to come it's actually like you save money he says it's not expensive at all but okay. anytime he says it we all anytime he says it we all look at him like okay we got you mike you rented out a theater <laughs> but he did that with friends and kids for that he did it for uh the, 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 the Cocaine Bear movie, he did it for Top wow. Gun, and now he's done it for Mario Brothers.
0: what a wide rate, age range here of these kids. Because I'm, like, I'm thinking his friends have young kids, and they're yes. like, you know, four or five, but then they're also going to watch Cocaine Bear. No, I think
1: that was just adults. I that think think was, just, that the was just the
0: boy. Years. Okay, that's the show Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, <laughs> Anya taylor Joy she plays the princess. Charlie Day is Luigi. Obviously, Black is right. Keegan-Michael Key. And your boy, Seth Rogen, he shows up as Donkey Kong. He's pretty
1: good as Donkey oh, Kong as well. Charlie Day is Luigi. I yes. feel like uh, Chris Pratt made all the news for being Mario with that voice, but Charlie Day, also not Italian.
0: Correct. Very un-Italian. <laughs> He's doing Luigi. I guess that's how it is, uh, but I did enjoy the film. I would give it three maple beliefs. Speaking of Italians, though, this is a loaded Italian episode. We have Ray Romano, noted Italian-American, and of course the Italian bombshell, Monica Bellucci. Let's get to our guest. <laughs> Ray Romano is obviously an accomplished actor, three-time Emmy Award winner. You know him from Everybody Loves Raymond. Now he's got his directorial debut. It's called Somewhere in Queens. It opens in theaters this Friday, April 21st. Ray, I saw the film. I loved it. Congratulations on making a Terrific piece of work. It's got a lot of heart.
2: Oh, thank you. Great. What, What did you get? Like a link? You got a link for it? I
0: got the link to it and I made sure I took notes that way you'd know that I loved it and I loved the script particularly but you co-wrote it. here's my favorite lines he spent the last week talking his dick off his ledge Oh, uh, can I tell you I, something
2: I heard it. that line is my best one of my best friends John Manfilati. He's a, he's a guy I know from stand up from way back yeah. okay last night we had a screening uh, we had the LA premiere kind of the New York premiere is coming up we had the LA premiere and it went great. It was one of the best screenings we've had. And my friend John came over to me and goes, how come Dick Off The Ledge didn't go to laugh? <laughs> he didn't go there. So I'm so glad you said that now. I could, I'm, I'm gonna hang up, when, you, when we're done, I'm gonna call him up and tell him that you quoted that line. <laughs> Best line of the movie. Tell John it was awesome. That's
0: funny. I also love your line when you say, I heard it's bad for the earth when they fart the cows. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, I can write stupid lines like that. Yeah.
0: And a pivotal scene, I don't want to give it away for people, but you're talking to a character who said, I can't do sex with you, which I thought was a hilarious line, rather than saying, I can't have sex <laughs> with yeah, you, I course, can't do course. sex it's, with it's you. It's
2: the details, man. It's the details. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but I, I love the, the directorial style of it. You know, I love Bonicera is one of my favorite songs. Louis Prima, of course. I love Big Night, so I love the fact you started the movie with that song. And directorially speaking, I mean, listen, you've been around directors a long time. You work with Scorsese and the Irishman. I'm just curious, what were your directorial influences? Did you get advice so, Marty, how did you approach
2: it? Um, well, I was scared to death to direct it. You know, I didn't want to direct it. And my agent talked me into it. When we wrote this script, I never had an intention of directing it. And then he, you know, he convinced me that it's a personal story. It's very personal. Uh, a, a lot of things from, from my actual life going on. You know, it's about people I, I, I grew up with. It's the world I grew up in. Not on, not 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 on your family, in your family, Chris. It's my family. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The, the Ferrara's <laughs> aren't as bad, uh, uh, but anyway, um, he. I, I finally took the plunge, but you know, uh, uh, I had never directed anything. I, I technically, I really was not very knowledgeable about the, the the lenses and the lighting, you know. But my agent told me you get a you get a great cinematographer, you get a a great ad, and and you can worry about the acting and the story and all that. And from working with all these other directors, the, the best I learned was how to talk to actors, you know, because I've been talked to that way for, for years now and how to tell somebody, let's try it a different way. That's, that's a very delicate situation, you know, <laughs> especially from that's what I was worried about being a first time director. How am I going to tell these guys, these veteran actors that uh i think you're doing it wrong you know Uh, but scorsese you know scorsese was so collaborative he was had this energy and if you improv something and he loved it he was like a little kid you know he was like oh do that yeah do that again do that again you know um and and you know it, it taught me that if anything you want to make everyone be part of the process you know and and that was kind of the way I went into it is making sure everybody knew this was all of us together. And, and I wasn't this this dictator telling them how to do things, you know.
0: Well, you've got that great scene, in The Irishman, like when you're first meeting De Niro, whether you represent him the way you're like, hey, so did you, did you do it? Like, you know, just between us. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that had to be ad lib the way you were. We were investing we, that character. We,
2: I mean, we we stuck to the script, but we 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 were loose. It was very loose. You know, yeah. uh, we, we were uh, paraphrasing and all this. And he encouraged it, you know, Scorsese encouraged it. And look, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There are some actors who are good at it and sometimes and even me, sometimes, you know, they say, hey, we're gonna improv it up a little, and I and I have nothing. I got nothing, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's 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 always important yeah. for it to be on the page also, you know, to yeah. be on the, the, for the script to be there. And then you can go off on it a little bit. So but if worse comes to worse. You still got the, a very good script, you
0: know? Well, I know you're humble enough to say it isn't your directing, but you get great performances across the board in this movie. I've loved Jennifer Esposito since Spin City. Lori Metcalf, who can really handle the dramatic scenes well. I thought she was terrific in your movie. And, of course, Sebastian Maniscalco, who is so funny, but, again, his character is a little serious, too. He's busting your chops, playing your brother. Those three among the cast I thought were terrific. And um, Sadie Stanley, Danny Brooks, I thought she was fantastic. Yeah,
2: yeah. She, I had never seen her before. When she read, she was immediately on the shortlist, you know. And it wasn't long till we knew, you know, we wanted to get the kid first and see who matches well with him. And the kid, finding the kid was not easy because he had to be able to play basketball also. And let me tell you something that narrows the field so much. We, we, right. what happened was we would read, this was during COVID. So everybody went on tape and I would look at all the tapes and we would narrow it down and we narrowed it down to over we saw about, over 100 good kids and we narrowed it down to 10 and then we had to see if they played ball because that had to be believable and so and they all said they could the their agents <laughs> their agents all said you know oh yeah so we said can they put themselves on tape playing ball so they would send a five minute i like just send a five minute video of them you know shooting around anywhere and they would send it and without fail 90% of them, in 30 <laughs> seconds, you knew this kid never, never driven a basketball in his life. Yeah. But so the list became very short. And then and Jacob was, uh, uh, you know, obviously he played ball, but he was such a newcomer. He was driving Postmates when we told him he got the role, for real. And, wow. and I got to be honest, it's been two years now in, in production. He's still kind of, he, he's waiting for this movie to come out. You know, he's, I don't think he's canceled his Postmate app. You know, I think he's still, yeah. We're waiting for this to come out so he can get
1: some work. Now, did your youngest son, Joe, go out for the role? Because he's got some hype to him.
2: No, you know, the movie's based, not, not the movie's not based on him, but that story is based on him. Because Joe played high school basketball. I don't know if, if you know this. He played,
1: no, with, I didn't know that.
2: He played with the Holiday brothers. He played with, oh, uh, Drew. With Drew? Yeah, he wow. played four years with Aaron Holiday. Um, and Drew Holiday w- had just left when Joe made it onto varsity. Um, oh. He's six five. My son, my son is six five, yeah. and they made him a center, uh, you know, because he was the tallest kid in high school. <laughs> and so I knew, we all knew, that when he graduated, this was the end of his basketball career because at six <laughs> five, you're a guard in college, you know. And he he wasn't a guard. He he was for for his whole. High school career they, they trained him as a center when that last game ended i got emotional i i was going to miss this i was going to miss for him and i was going to miss it for me because i was the father of the one of the star basketball players you know i was getting attention and and that's how the story came it's like i said what if it was this poor schlub who has nothing else you know uh, mm-hmm. that that was the beginning of the story but joe Thanks. joe was in the movie i, I I know you're quoting lines, so I'm not assuming you remember the scene, but it's the scene with the kid with the pencil on his, the, the, the cardboard pencil. Yeah, that, yeah, that tall yeah. Kid. That's Joe. That's my son. Joe. nice. He got pencil guy. I didn't, he didn't have to read for pencil guy. He just gave it to him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think the best aspect of the way I want everyone to go see somewhere in Queens, Ray, is the fact it's got, you know, at one point a character says, you're different, you got heart. And that, I think, could be a tagline for the movie. Like, it, it's a funny movie, but it's got a lot of heart in it. And there's a really dramatic sense to it. And, like, I, my wife said to me, and I said, so, so is it funny? I said, yeah, it's funny, but it's like a dramatic movie. Like, it's a really sweet, funny yeah, of we, movie. We like, it's, it, yeah.
2: a, a dramedy, at least, you know? I yeah. don't – I'm, I'm not crazy when some of the promos say it's a comedy because I want people to know it's not, it's not wall-to-wall comedy by far. You know, uh, it, we wrote it as a drama because we knew we were going to put comedy in it because that's how we write, me and my buddy. But yeah, it, I'm glad I'm glad you think of it as that because that's what we're going for, yeah.
0: Again, the movie's terrific. I want to ask you about a few of your other projects. Um, I was born and raised in Canada, but my family's Pakistani. So when you were in The Big Sick, I said, oh my God, I love this movie. You and Kumail Nanjiani was so great. And particularly... I am one of those people. Your character has that great scene where he says, "You know, you go online. It's the worst. People hate Forrest Gump." And I am one of those people who hates Forrest Gump. Tell me about that line. Did you ad lib it? Did Kumail write that? Where did that line come from?
2: No, that was an ad lib. When I said <laughs> Forrest Gump one of the best movies of all time, so yeah, yeah, right. No, there was there was a listen. The script that script was great, but with Kumal and myself, we did a, we did a lot of ad libbing in that movie, and uh, that was one of those scenes where. We just and and Judd Apatow was the producer. He's he's off stage, off camera, yelling stuff out. You know, he he's all for for ad living. uh We did that scene. We also did the scene where I make up uh parlour games. I don't know if you remember that. Where I say, see if you can think of a name that nobody can rhyme with. You know, Uh, you know, that was all made up. By the you know, we made up a lot of shit. Only about. 5% 5% of it got in because a lot of it was nonsense, you know? But yeah,
0: <laughs> but that was a great movie and I think it was really important in your career because people were like, hey, River can act. He's not just the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond. Like, I thought it was a really well, yeah, critically well, acclaimed movie.
2: You know, after Everybody Loves Raymond, it was hard to, uh, for people to cast me in, they they just saw me as the sitcom character. So it was little baby steps. That's why I created the show after Everybody Loves Raymond. I created a show called Men of a Certain Age. Men
0: of a Certain Age. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because I had to I had to write it myself because no one was catching me. <laughs> and then little by little, yes, big, the big sick was another step, you know. And then yeah. the, the next thing was I got into vinyl, the show Vinyl with uh, Scorsese. Yep. That's, right. how I, that's how I got into Scorsese's, under, into his radar. And the, the weird story about that is I had to go on tape for vinyl. And he watched the tape and he told my agent, he said, yeah, he's, he's in the running." He goes, who is he? I've never seen him. He never seen. He wasn't. He wasn't kidding. And and, and you know, I, I get it. I, Martin Scorsese is not watching sitcoms, but it was right. a blessing because he didn't have to um, you know erase the character from his head. He just saw this right. saw the tape I sent in and he hired me. Yeah.
0: To go back to Men of a Certain Age, I love that show and I wish it had lasted longer. I know it was a couple seasons on TNT, but I love the cast. You were great, Scott Backlund particularly. I always thought Andre Brower, everything he's in, he sure. elevates the material. If you can tell me a story or two about Andre, because I think he's incredible.
2: Well, yeah, you're right. You know, he came and read for it, and we, uh, I'm going to be kind to Andre. I'm trying to be kind. We wrote the role for someone a little bit more overweight than Andre was. But he wasn't a skinny guy at the time when he came in. Right. He was he was overweight enough, but not quite what we wrote. <laughs> uh, but, it was myself and Mike Royce was, was the other co-creator of the show. But after he came in, he came in and he, and he read with us. And we just said, we don't care what we've written. We, we got to take the best actor, you know? And he, you're right, he's, he's like a trained Shakespearean actor. And <laughs> so when we would tell him, we're going to improv, we, we have it, we're going to open it up now, he would panic. He would like, he, oh, he, and he would make, he, he would, his joke was, every time we told him, he goes, I, I revere the writer. I revere the writer, you know. And we said, okay, just relax. Don't worry. You'll be fine. And he would always do great when we would improv. He was scared stiff, but he would always he would always pull it off, you know. Um, yeah, he's he's he was just awesome. You know, that show uh won the Peabody Award and then we got canceled a month later. Ugh. Yeah. I think the Peabody Award is one of those things where if you win it, you better be careful because it means <laughs> they like you they think you're quality stuff but nobody's really watching <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well to your point the
0: show Rami which I love also I believe won the Peabody award and Rami Youssef made the same joke he was like we're critically acclaimed but this is a problem not that people are watching but it.
2: he's not can't he's still on right
0: He's still on. They yeah, got a third season they just yeah. put in there. But you're right. The yeah. clock is ticking once you win that Peabody. Yeah. I know Chris has got a story about hitting you with a golf ball. I'll get to that in a second. No, no. He hit I me hit with it. a golf Like I don't have I a story. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's about. tell that story now. Then. I, I no, know,
1: no. There's about. no story. We were at the, the, the Century. What is it? Oh, the American yeah. Century Celebrity Classic yeah. in Tahoe. And yeah, I was doing a bit where. <laughs> I hadn't met Ray barely and you know, I'm married to his cousin's daughter. And so I'm like waiting the whole time for him to come by. And he just happens to hit a really bad shot and it hits me in my thigh. And we have this like awkward moment. We're in the middle of the round. I don't want to tell him in this like whisper into his ear. Hey, by the way, I'm Christie's husband. So I just kind of let him go. And I, we told him later, but it was, it he was, was hilarious. Standing,
2: and he was only standing t- 30 yards away from me. off to the side. It was a par three. I had an eight iron and I shanked it and they had told me that you were going to, they said, right. They said Al's son-in-law is going to be there. My cousin's son-in-law. And I, what are the odds? By the way, there's thousands of people uh, lining the sides, you know? Um, It's insane. And I hit him, but here's the, the, the happy ending to the story. I end up paring that hole. I parred that hole. Yes.
1: Up and down. I
2: took a drop from your thigh. I took a drop from your side, <laughs> and and I got up and down. Yeah, from about I, yes. I was about a hundred yards out at that point.
1: Yeah. Now on the way out here, I know, like you mentioned, I'm my father in law is your cousin. So I I realize this puts me very low on the family depth chart. But I just want to assure myself that I'm higher on the depth chart than Corey's husband Tommy. My wife is Christy. Her twin yeah, is Corey. Yeah. Her his. I just want to make sure on the family depth chart that I'm higher than Tommy. Well, Corey's I, know husband. You,
2: I, I he he came to to the beat yes house, right
1: yes yes yeah
2: but i've said more words to you
1: <laughs> yeah that i'm telling you getting hit by that golf ball adnance the best thing that ever happened to me yeah. that's it
2: i don't i couldn't pick him out of the lineup right now yes right now. i'm
1: gonna send that, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna send him that clip no, right no, now don't thank
2: don't you for that. That. <laughs> he's a nice guy
1: though he, I, he's a nice he guy no he's okay i think he's bigger than you right he is, he is, he's, he's you know, uh, well, I might have him in LBs, but he's he's a little more uh, right. you know. So
2: I don't want either one of you mad him.
1: I'm not saying I,
2: I think both of you could beat the crap out of me, but I think <laughs> I think I could run away from him faster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, my kids will kill me, Ray, if I don't ask you about Ice Age because they watch it all the time. They watch all the sequels. It's amazing. I mean, uh, Ice Age, it's such a funny movie. Normally, sequels, they get diluted, but I'll be honest, each Ice Age, to me, is still funny. It's still entertaining. I hope that they've been as rewarding for you as it's been for my my kids.
2: Well, you know, when I started, when I did Ice Age 1, my kid I don't know, how old are your kids? I, I don't know. My guys are 14, 11, 6, and 4, and they all wow. watch them. wow. Yeah. yeah, mine were... 10 and under when i started doing that and in ice age two three or four they each had a little line in it also you know so yeah it was awesome for a kid to just see an animated movie is is a special thing but for a kid's father to be in it and then for them to be in it you know (laughs) it's crazy um we did five of them man and you know it was sad when it ended but at at some point you got to You got you got to say, okay, we we don't want to milk this into the ground, you know, Uh, (laughs) but it was a great thing to be a part of. It really was. It's been an incredible career
0: of Ray Romano and this latest step, I think, will be really well received. He is the director of the new film called Somewhere in Queens, in theaters this Friday, co-wrote it, he stars in it. Ray, seriously, it's a tremendous movie and I can't thank you enough for the time.
2: I appreciate it, man, and I, I really appreciate that you saw it and that you quoted that line. My friend is going gonna, gonna to make his day. It's going to make his day. And uh, Chris, oh, say awesome. hi to your wife and your father-in-law.
1: I will. Thank you so much. Good seeing you. I'll see you oh, again, thanks, guys. Ray.
2: Thank you, man
1: i mean i yeah i'm ahead of tommy that's all that matters <laughs> and uh you know i didn't want to do the full like hey where actually am i on this step chart i just want to make sure i'm ahead. i'm not at the bottom i know that
0: but the bottom line is this if ray romano saw you on the street he would know who you are
1: oh for sure like, like, now that's yeah the thing.
0: When people are like oh does he actually No, like, oh, he, he's hung out with Ray Romano. like it's, it's family uh,
1: in the right context like i feel like if it's just three months from now in new york but i'm by myself walking yeah. by i think he might just walk right by me but if i'm like <laughs> Hey, you know, like hey, Christie and family, yeah.
0: obviously. Then he's like oh. I would
1: very quickly be like, Hey, get in here. I'm Christy's husband. I would just yes. say that out loud just was, to yeah, like <laughs>
0: say, make it clear to him.
1: But then he, yeah, it just help him
0: out a little bit. So he's not he's not gonna know everybody he knows.
1: How was the interview we did compared to the interview you did with Dan? It was good. Um, Dan, you know, went a little more serious and stuff, got into like the stresses of this role of of directing and uh, his anxiety. So he gave us some good stuff on how he deals with anxiety a little bit. But I thought the Marty stuff and the Irishman. So like, there was very little. The only sentence that I think he said in both interviews was like the whole thing about I didn't want to direct my agent. Like literally, I think outside of that little exchange about how his agent wanted him to direct, I don't think there was any repeats in it which is pretty cool
0: that's great and the reason i'm asking is chris and i recorded with ray at 11:30 a.m and we yeah. then 11:52. and then he and chris laughed because i'm going to talk to you down like five minutes He's like, yeah. okay cool so the fact that it was back to back literally and he wasn't able to repeat anything that's impressive Good but i think
1: I it write. helped his energy i think just him joining another zoom and seeing me again he had already like the ice was broken with us like it made the start of that interview like you know look at us helping out the levitard show without even like i think we were like a nice opening act for him so he felt like real comfortable
0: No, that's good. That's great. He's definitely a good dude. And again, I was being genuine about the film. I think it's excellent. I hope everyone checks it out. All right. I'll tell you the story after when Monica Bellucci showed up. But first, listen to the seductress herself, Mafia Mama. Here it is. Well, it's such a pleasure to welcome Monica Bellucci. I'm a huge fan of her work. She's been a terrific actress for decades. She's in a new film called Mafia Mama, which is really funny and really smart, really charming. Monica, it's great to see you. I'm amazed a movie like this, there's been so many films about the mafia and yet your film still feels different and funny. What was your reaction when you read the script?
4: Oh, I was so happy when I read the script because I laughed out loud. And uh, and comedy is a genre I've done very little in my career. So it was a completely new experience for me. And I'm very grateful that after my appearance in Call My Agent, I had the chance to play in a comedy again.
0: Oh, I agree, really funny in the movie, and I agree. I haven't really seen that side of you before. Um, your character comes across as like, you know, got such great presence, and, you know, she's serious. But as you said, the tone is funny because Tony is so funny and so silly. What was it like working with her?
4: Oh, I'm a huge fan of Tony Collette. And of course, you know, I I loved her as an actress, but I didn't know her in real life. And she has an incredible energy and was so fun and enriching to work with her because we created a beautiful chemistry uh, between us. And this really was helpful to create all the connection and affection that build these two characters in their adventure. And, um, was great to work with uh, Catherine Hardwick because yes. you know she's very elegant, refined in her creative sensibilities, she has a great taste. And this film is very you know, difficult because it's difficult to make a film like that because there are many actors, many scenes, and she was never scared to try something to sublime and already great script or realizing when you've gone too far. And with her uh, femininity, she brings elegance in the middle of violence.
0: Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Wow. Elegance in the middle of violence. I interviewed Catherine Hardwick as well, and she was praising you. She said, you know, the thing about Monica is she's such a good actress. And she said, that voice, that voice just captures you, the way you speak on camera. It was so really well done. So she was, she was praising you as well.
4: But I have to say that I love her. And last night we we went to the premiere and it was great because it was the first time I was, was watching the film with an audience. Mm. And it's incredible how the people reacted. And, um, and actually, I realized that it's not... We always say, oh, it's a comedy in the world of Mafia with a feminine twist, but actually it's a pulp comedy. It's incredible to see how Catherine... She can move from one style to another, you know. It doesn't have to be easy to be, you know, a a director, a female director in this world. We know that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She's one of the great female directors and has been doing so, as you said, ever since 13, which is an excellent movie. One of the funniest lines of the movie, Monica, is when you're talking to Tony's character and she's really infatuated with Lorenzo. And then you said to him, I said to her, sorry, have you ever farted in front of him? That was one of the funniest lines of the movie.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's like, you say, oh, so you, you don't know. I say, she said, no. And I said, oh, you don't know him. <laughs> but actually, you know, the thing, they cut out this one because my reaction was... It means you don't know him, (laughs) but uh, I mean, you know, we we went really far actually. And this is was we have to say even uh, Catherine, because she gave us the freedom to build this, you know, synergy between us. And actually when we did the, the scene in the bed, um, this was completely unpredictable. I didn't know what we were doing. I went close to her and little by little things came out and the scene became so crazy and sexy, you know, and then that's why it was very funny and I, I know that, you know, Catherine was laughing behind the camera watching what we were doing. I was jumping on Tony and Tony was there. It was crazy. But, you know, it doesn't happen all the time that Uh, you know, you have such a beautiful relation with someone that you work with, you know, and really there is an empathy between Tony and I that is natural. And so I was very happy to share this moment of acting with her. And also another beautiful role is the role of Jenny, Christian's lawyer, played by Sofia Nomvetti. She's incredible. She's so funny. And those three characters are surrounded by a lot of testosterone represented by an amazing cast of actors. Mm -hmm. And also to see Rome like that, Rome is so beautiful because doing the interviews, I realized how many Americans didn't go to Europe, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, so through the film, they can see the beauty of of Rome, uh, because Rome is filmed in an amazing way by Catherine.
0: Yeah, my wife and I went on our honeymoon to Rome and then to Venice. And watching your film, I said, we got to go back. I mean, I know I think you live in Paris now, but you were, you're thoroughly Italian. So it must have been so nice to be shooting in Italy, which is such a gorgeous place to shoot.
4: Yes, really. Rome was was a a magic place for for this movie. Even now, you know, I live between Rome and Paris, but when I go back to Rome, I'm always very happy. The light of Rome is unique.
0: There's also some really funny lines too, because it's funny, you know, when you've seen enough, mob movies, and you know you pick up a little bit of Italian, there's one scene where this one character, Tony's husband, is being you know pushed around a little bit, and you're calling him a stronzo. And he says, I'm going to look up that word as soon as I get out of here. <laughs> that was a really funny scene as well.
4: You know, I grew up with mafia movies, like so many of my generation in Italy, such as Once Upon a Time in America, Good Goodfellas. Uh- Uh, You know, all those incredible uh, movies, The Godfather, of course. But I would have never imagined that one day I would play in a comedy like that. Really, I'm really grateful that after calm my agent I had the chance to play in a comedy. You
0: know? Yeah, no, I agree, you get to show that range. As I said, you've had an amazing career on everyone to go see Mafia Mama, but I go back to Milena, I mean, I fell in love with you watching Milena, I said, God, you're gorgeous, the movie's gorgeous, the music by Ennio Marconi, I mean, I, I love that film, and I think it really kind of brought you to on an international scale, everyone then knew the name Monica Bellucci after Milena. What uh, memories do you have of that film, which I think is so beautiful? But
4: actually, it was a strange story because uh, uh, I knew Giuseppe Tornatore for Cinema Paradiso, like all of us, you know. When he won the Oscar, he was 28 years old. And, oh my gosh, oh my god, this is the most beautiful s- film ever. So, and it, it was funny because uh, um, I did a, a commercial with him for Dolce & Gabbana. Mm. And Tornatore told me, you know, while we were shooting the commercial, he was watching me, look at me. So I was he told me, you know, one day I would like to make a movie. If one day I'll do this movie, I'm gonna call you. Four years later, I was shooting with Morgan Freeman, Gene Ackman in uh, Puerto Rico. It was my first American movie. I was doing Under Suspicion. Actually with this movie, I went to Cannes for the first time. And while I was shooting, Tonatore called me and said, do you remember the film that I was talking about it? Say, yes, of course, I want to make this movie. So, and that was Malena.
0: Uh, it's amazing. And like, there's been so many films along the years that you've made. I mean, uh, Irreversible, I thought it was an incredible film. It was so brave that you made. There was such a courageous film. I, I don't, still don't know how you made that movie, but I, people still talk about it today, how brave and courageous your performance was.
4: It was funny because the film came, came here again with a new version. Irreversible uh, Straight Cut just came out in America not long ago okay. and uh, because the director did an edition in uh, in order because the film in the beginning was in reverse and it mm-hmm. did a new uh, editing in order and so was a new movie some way um, and um yeah this film was completely crazy. completely crazy experience, but even the way we shot was so new because we we was we could uh play for twenty minutes, no stop like in theater. Mm-hmm. But actually I have to say that the most crazy thing I've done for me was uh, an international tour for three years with the in theater. This was the, the craziest thing ever I've done with Maria Callas. Tour, international tour, we went in so many different countries... France, America, Istanbul, Greece, Portugal, Spain, all over the world. And we did the show in three languages. So this was the craziest experience I've done as an actress.
0: Oh, amazing, Maria Callas, I got to see it. Monica Bellucci, when I saw Malena, I told my Italian friends, I got to tell her if I ever meet her, Tuella plus bella ragazza nel mondo. And also a great actress and a very funny actress as well, Mafia Mama. Congratulations, Monica, it's great.
4: Thank you so much.
0: All right, so it's 11 a.m. is the timing of Monica Bellucci. Catherine Hardwick, who you're about to hear, was at 10.15, right on time. Awesome. 11 a.m., Monica Bellucci. And I'm waiting, we're waiting, I'm like, oh, my God. And 11.10, 11, 11.15, 11, and you, we discussed earlier, didn't need to join. They're going to send us the video audio. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I've already also have an interview planned with Giovanni Rabisi at 11.30. Now, I assume these people are a little bit late, so I'm like, okay, this will work out. Like, maybe, maybe Monica's there at 11, 11.10, 11.15. No, no, we're getting to 11.20, 11, 11.25. 11, so I messaged the Showtime people. I go, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not going to be able to do the Giovanni Rubisi interview at 11.30. I'm waiting for Monica Bellucci. Can you do a little bit later? They write back. Yeah. He's got a tech test at noon. I'm like, okay, it's 11.45. And then one of the people on the chain writes back, like, all right, see you at 11.30. I go, no, no, I, to be clear, I can't do 11.30. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. I'm asking for 11.45 or later. I have to go to work. I have to be at work by one. So I'm like, I have until 12:30. But he has this tech test at noon. Not really sure what that means. But can we do 11:45? <laughs> Todd, who is awesome, who's the guy who hooked me up with Michael Shannon, I was like, bro, all good. I get it. He texts me directly. I'm like, all good. I'm like, great. So now I'm getting stressed because I'm like, this has only ever happened once, <laughs> one time that we had a guest plan that didn't show. You're never going to be able to guess the guest, but I'll tell you, he's one of my favorite actors. I'll give you a few: Private Parts, Sideways, currently in a commercial. People are making fun of playing. Oh Homer my Einstein, God! Son of Bart yeah. Giamatti. That's oh right. my God! One of my favorite actors, it was me and Stanzik very early in Cinephile. And it was like, you know, 5.30 30 on a Friday and we're waiting there. And I remember after like 15 minutes, Stanzik goes, I don't think he's showing. And I'm like, at that point, I only done like 10 episodes. Everyone shows up. I'm like, no, we're fine. He's like, I don't think, dude, it's Friday at 5 30. I don't think he's doing this. Yeah. And then we're hitting up the PR person. She's like, Yeah, just a minute, Paul I'll be a minute. And then I think we waited probably about 40 minutes. She goes, Unfortunately, Paul is unavailable. And I was <laughs> like, okay, this happens. Like you reschedule. Never reschedule. Like josh drew to this day was hysterical our our talent guy has been he started getting surly he's like i don't understand like we had a commitment paul was busy when can we reschedule i think this is yeah. billion season one I, I think it was just debuting and they're like unfortunately paul's this busy he's like well and Josh's like what happened like like i don't understand like yeah. if he was busy at that time but why wouldn't you just reschedule like, it's 15 minutes it's on the this is pre-zoom 15 minutes on the phone Adnan really knows this stuff he's a huge fan he's gonna talk sideways private parts yeah. American americans like he loves this guy like he's a huge fan like and my only thought was maybe, because I've heard Paul Mai does not want to ever talk about his father. For those who don't know, late baseball commissioner, he passed away, a massive heart attack after he um, you know, suspended Pete Rose for life. And I'm like, maybe he just heard ESPN, what's it called? They might sports. And so I even told Josh, to go, hey, tell him, like, I'm not going to bring up baseball. I will not bring up his dad. Like, I will not even yeah. heard of it. Like, we're not going to go, hey, Pete Rose. Like, I get it. That's a very tragic thing. Never happened again. So anyways. I'm getting flashbacks. I'm like, Monica, I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. And now, even funnier, I was like, "Rabisi, what's going to happen? So I call Chris, and I'm like, hey, yeah. do you want to just do Rabisi solo? And you're like, what? I'm like, do you want to just knock out Rabisi?" I got to wait for Lushy to go, dude, I-, I can do a couple minutes, but I, don't, I haven't seen Waco. Like, it's going
1: to be right. awkward. I want people now to Google Giovanni Ribisi because you might not know his name, but you've seen him in movies. And I was like, oh, maybe I could do this. I start looking at his IMDb, and I'm just like, not as much as I even th-. like. There was, like, I feel like I've seen this guy in so much in so many things, but I, I was just like, uh, this would be so much better with you, Adnan. I'm
0: not gonna lie to you. I kind of wanted you to just take the bull by the horns. Go, I'll do it. I'm like, Argh! I just, I just want to hear what the interview would have been like. There was once I was really sick at the ESPN, and I told Stan, like, I go, you're gonna do the episode. He's like, what? I think it was um, we had somebody lined up, and I go, listen, it was Tony Hale that's right it was Tony Hale promoting V, but I go you know what dude you're going to do the whole episode Tony
1: Hale no, I would have done
0: yeah I go just do it <laughs> and just just, just go for it Tony Hale you would have done yes anyways thankfully Laura Brand is awesome she's all over it she messages them she goes alright she's going to join 11.36 I write back to these people I have 10 minutes with Monica Bellucci I will be there with Gina Barabisi at 11.46 no problem and I'm calling my wife because she's upstairs. And I'm like, I got Monica, Bellucci and not happy. She's like, So, you jinxed it. See? Yeah, you're just in love with her here. Everybody's like, God knows you're, it's Ramadan. You're fasting. And you're like, Oh, this hot girl coming. like this is it. And then, boom, she pops up. And I'm like, Oh my God. I, I, I was like, So rattled. I, I was like, I'm, I'm 22 again. Oh my God. I'm, like, I'm so And I'm like, Deep breaths, deep breaths. And I'm like, Okay. I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. I'm like, All right. Let's just do it. So, to your point about the preamble, I, honestly, I was, I don't think she noticed it. Maybe she did, but I was just like, Wow. You would have definitely noticed that
1: I was knocked off my game. I
0: don't think she would. Yeah. She's just popping on a Zoom. How are you? I'm like, hey, how you doing? Press record. Nice to see you. Loved your film. Here we go. In, three, two.
1: Yeah. You made it a little weird, but it was, it was adorable. It was like endearing.
0: Yeah. Did you listen to it? Yeah. Well, the ending was, <laughs> I mean, the ending was unbelievable. I was like, I got to get this in here. I'm like, for those who don't have to speak Italian, tu es la plus belle ragazza del mondo means you're the most beautiful girl in the world. And she, that was the only moment she gave like a blush yeah, didn't, didn't didn't quite put the hand to the heart, but she gave like a, oh.
1: I mean, we couldn't see it though, so only you saw her. You see, reaction. That,
0: that's that's we've got to get this video. Come hell or high water, I've got to get this video <laughs> just so you can see her reaction. Did Adnan flirt with Monica Bellucci, and did she respond in a positive manner? The answer is yes. <laughs> so she at least gave like oh, like she was definitely. How, how many people were speaking Italian to her, saying that to her? But bombshell, buddy, it was awesome. Now we got to do one for you. We got to get like a Chris Cody. Like when you were 21, who were you in love uh, Jessica Alba? Biel. Jessica Biel. Biel. That's going to get we going to get Laura Brand on this. We going to get Jessica Biel on the podcast and you're oh, I gonna wouldn't do know it. what to do. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs>
1: wouldn't, know
0: what to do. <laughs> wouldn't know what to do with myself. I would just By be like way, Chuck and Larry. <laughs> awkward moments with us with um one movie I didn't get a chance to get to, and it was a hard ten minutes: "Shoot 'Em Up." Clive Owen. Speaking of Paul Giamatti, great action movie with Monica Bellucci. She was also in the Matrix sequels. She was Inspector. She was the, at the time, the oldest woman ever to appear like in a Bond film, like as the Femme Fatale, or uh, I guess she was say the, uh, you know, the sex symbol, whatever it is, love interest. And she, she had joked at the time, she goes, "I'm not a Bond girl, I'm a Bond woman," but at fifty, I mean, Robert Carnell was like unbelievable. Anyways, Monica Bellucci, great actress, stunning as ever, and now the director of Mafia Mama, Catherine Harper. An acclaimed female director who needs no introduction, but we'll give her one anyways. Catherine Hardwick is the director of the new film mafia mama i keep wanting to call it mama mia but it is indeed mafia mama she's made terrific films in the past like 13 lords of dogtown um so many films across the years of course twilight as well and now she's made this wonderful movie catherine it's great to see you you know i love mob movies i've seen all the mafia movies It's such rich fresh fertile territory and yet you by paying homage to some of those films like godfather 2 are still able to make something that felt new how are you able to do that
3: Well, um, the script was a pretty funny, very funny script. You know, when I got it, I'm just like, Tony sent it to me. And so, of course, I pictured her in the lead role and I'm just turning the page like, oh my God, that's going to be so fun to film. I was just getting excited about filming it, you know? And, and then when you get there with all the other artists and the, and the, um, you know, other actors, they start adding funny stuff and Monica adds something. It just got more and more fun.
0: You mentioned Tony, and she was really funny. I mean, I know what a great dramatic actress she is, but in this film, she's she's giddy, she's goofy, she's silly. I thought she was just fantastic.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're so used to see Tony lately in these very serious roles, you know, a mayor or this, or, you know, getting killed or murdered. And in this case, she got to transform into a really fun person that found herself, found her voice, yeah. We've seen a
0: lot of comedies, you know, male movies always being vulgar and they can embrace that stuff. We don't really see females as well, which is why I thought one scene was was so delightful where Tony Collette's working out and her friend asks her, you know, how does she pleasure herself? And she says she's been masturbating to Stanley Tucci searching for Italy. And, uh, you know, the friend says, you know, your mantra should be eat, pray, fuck, and you should work on getting your pussy pounded. I mean, I, I thought it was a hysterical scene.
3: <laughs> I love that scene too. Eat, pray, fuck. And then that actress... Sophia Nambet is hilarious, isn't she? She's on uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, she's the dwarf queen. And here you see her completely different. I didn't know
0: her previously as well, but yeah, she's really funny. Um, You know, for a movie like this, Catherine, which is obviously a comedy and very funny, I thought there were still some perceptive moments as well. I don't want to give away too much, but there's a murder scene during a zoom call and the ad executives are talking while it's happening and they're saying, you know, make sure you cast an attractive older woman. And the head executive says, well, but not too old. I mean that's, you know, within the framework of a violent scene, you are commenting on the fact this ad world is rather ageist.
3: Yeah, no, I that's one of my favorite scenes, of course, when the writers constructed that, I thought, what a great challenge, because you're gonna get to see Tony's frustration building kind of her rage building because she's literally muted you know they mute her they silence her voice
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it definitely was interesting there um listen i adore monica bellucci she's absolutely mesmerizing every time she comes on screen you can't take your eyes off her when i think of italian cinema i think of monica bellucci what was it like working with her
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was we were so lucky when Monica said yes, because she doesn't usually do comedies, but she just had fun with this role. And actually, she like pushed me. She had more crazy ideas. Let's try this. Let's try this. You know, so she's very playful even though she's the most elegant human being on the planet with that mesmerizing voice, you know, you just want to agree. She hypnotizes you, whatever she says, you're like, I'll do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. The voice, the face, all of it together. What about some of the supporting cast Are those Italian actors or those American actors playing Italians?
3: No, 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 they're all Italian actors. Everybody's from Italy, and those are the real deal. You know, we, we've actually, the whole crew in the cast is from Italy, except for Tony and Sofia. Wow. And, um, you know, some of those actors, they had so much personality. They knew friends in the mafia, so they would tell me how they would wear the rings and the watches. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's make it authentic, you know.
0: That's what I was about to ask. And There's great stories from The Sopranos, or Analyze This, of, like, actual mobsters, like, you know, Calling Tony Soprano and saying, hey, we like what you're doing, but just so you know, a don wouldn't wear shorts. Like they wanted to get the verisimilitude right. So you're telling me you had some cast members who knew the way La Familia would operate.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, one actor told me that he would wear the watch on on the hand that he punches with because it gets more weight. You know, when you punch somebody, I'm like, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whatever you say. Like I said, you've had an incredible career. So I just want to touch on a couple of little ones if we can. 13 is an amazing movie. I think it's really grown in power over time. What memories do you have of that film?
3: Oh, I mean of course 13 since Nikki and I wrote it together she was only 13 years old when we wrote it now she has a 5 year old kid it's like wow but at that time she was going through so much turmoil and like stress and trying to fit in and be perfect and everything and you know the fact that we were able to kind of express a lot things that a lot of kids were going through at the time, It you know, it made people feel they weren't alone so much. And now, even on TikTok right now, there's 1.5 billion engagements with 13 on TikTok. So people are still posting a scene and they say, that happened to me last week, because it was kind of real in a way.
0: Oh, 100%. That movie was definitely out of its time. Yeah. And just a, a thought on Twilight. I mean, God, just a massive enterprise. What was that like working with that cast?
3: Oh, my God. Of course, at that time, people didn't really know them. They were, you know, almost unknowns. And so we were really, we made it like an indie film, you know, we were just kind of left alone. Nobody thought it was going to be successful. So we didn't have all that pressure. And I got to hire these kind of like great indie kids like Rob and Kristen, who now have, you know, taken that opportunity and that leverage and and greenlit lots of indie films that are amazing, you know, weird, quirky films. But, you know, that was the first thing. And it was just like, is this OK?
0: It was great. (laughs) Have you ever worked with an actor with better hair than Robert Pattinson? I just I'm mesmerized by his hair.
3: Oh, his hair is so cool. But, you know, at first I thought he was going to have long hair. And at first we had extensions in his hair and he was like, no, because I did Lords of Dogtown. I like the long hair. And he was like, no, Catherine, we're not doing the long hair. <laughs> Can you imagine if he had long hair?
0: Uh, I, I actually can't imagine it. Last one for you. Again, you're a prominent female director. You've made some wonderful films over the years. What is the landscape like right now for female directors? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it the same?
3: Well, you know, they did do a study that it actually went back a few notches this year. There were less feature directors uh, that were women. But on the other hand, there are a lot more in television and in streamers. So that means a lot of people are getting the experience, hopefully, to get that chance, because now they can say they have all these good shows on on their resume. Like, I'm doing a Hulu show right now, you know, and those are great. We get to take longer time telling the story. So I think it is slowly, <laughs> hopefully getting better.
0: What's the Hulu show you're working on right now?
3: Oh, so right now I'm working on something called One Track Mind, and it is the origin story of a songwriter, the greatest songwriter of all time that you've never heard of, Diane Warren. Maybe you've heard of her. Yeah, yeah. She had her 14th Oscar nomination this year, but her childhood, she was... Was crazy. She was bullied. She ran away from home and lived with bank robbers and junkies. She went to juvie hall. Nobody believed in her. No people said she was tone deaf. No one believed in her, but she believed in herself, and she kept working. Now, fourteen, you know, Academy Award nominations later.
0: I, I can't wait because I, I, Sophia Carson's a friend of mine. And she sang her song at the Academy Awards. So I was like, I can't wait.
3: Yeah. I love oh I love Sophia. She did such a beautiful job with that.
0: Oh yeah, no, she's a real talent. She's awesome. As are you, katherine hardwick Mama Mia now in theaters. Tony Collette, Monica Bellucci. It's really funny, entertaining. I encourage everyone to check it out. Catherine, this is a real pleasure. Thank you so mafia
3: much. Mafia Mama though you said Mama Mia.
0: I knew I was going to screw it up. Mafia Mama. Mafia Mama. Mafia Mama. Thanks, Catherine. Oh,
3: yeah. Check out my Mafia Mama nails.
0: <laughs> I guess those for my wife. Those are great. <laughs> right. Thanks. Thank you so much, Catherine. Take care. All right, thanks so much. Again, I appreciate everybody supporting Cinephile. Of course, my producer, Chris Cody, Laura Brandt, the entire team. You guys are awesome. Please go to Apple Podcasts and uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Again, amazing guests coming up next week as well. Giovanni Ribisi, Waco, The Aftermath. Shout out to Cody. He actually sent me the scene from Saving Private Ryan. I forgot about it. I asked Giovanni about it. He gives a great answer about working with Steven Spielberg and Friends. Uh, He was in The Offer, which was great. So a lot of good stuff from Giovanni. And, of course, George Tillman, my main man, the director of Big George Foreman. He's a really good guy. And last thought here, I just want to say congrats to your Panthers. We don't do a lot of oh. hockey here on the pod, but Panthers snuck up late. They're making the playoffs. No Crosby or Ovechkin in the NHL playoffs. First time since 2006.
1: Panther fans been criticizing Maurice, the new coach, all year. We get in the playoffs. Let's see it now, Maurice. Let's see if this playoff-style hockey you've been talking about all year you know, I'm ready to apologize. Let's go. Let's keep it rolling.
0: I, I was stunned. I was listening to your show a week ago, and I'm like, a lot of Panthers talk. Like Dan was egging it on. Mike Ryan was talking a lot of Alex Lyon. I'm like, it wasn't even Roy. I'm like, wow, a lot of Panthers talk right now.
1: Me, Mike, and Roy are all like big-time Panthers guys. So like, yeah. during playoffs, you're gonna get it. It's annoying, I know, for no, most I people. No, like, I like. Yeah. Where does
0: Kachuk rank all-time Panthers? Like it, was, it was a lot of entertaining Florida Panthers conversation. Yeah. I, Flyers are out, so I'm cheering for the Cats. Let's go, Florida. Yes. Uh, and I'll see you at the movies we mm-hmm.